Welcome back to 30 Days of Star Wars here on the Middle Seats Podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. Andrew Jay once again joined by Jake Hensler and Nate Lungarini. Guys, I'm still thinking about Kit Fisto from last podcast, but the prequels are in the past. Let's move on to the original <laughs> trilogy. Yes, R.I.P. Uh, poor Kit. Before his time, is it a boy? Yeah. I don't want to make that call. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how you would know, Jake. I, I just assumed his gender. Yeah, that's not right. It's twenty. It's 2019. I assume that alien's gender. We are moving on to the original trilogy. There's no Kit Fisto in Star Wars A New Hope, Episode 4, but there would be no Kit Fisto without A New Hope. You guys see what I did there? That was a little bendy. Here we go. <laughs> that's the end of it. That's the end of it because <laughs> as complicated as the prequels are, 1977's Star Wars, as originally it was called, and now obviously known as Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, is as simple as it gets, really. There is a princess, there's an evil empire, there's a rescue mission, and then there's a big battle at the end. That's pretty much if you boil down all of Star Wars to the specific archetypes of storytelling, that's what's there, you know? that's Star Wars is very simple on the surface, but I think that's why it works so well. With a Wookiee and a space pilot. With a Wookiee and a space pilot, yes. Mm-hmm. Where, what year was this, by the way? 77? 1977. 77. Holy hell. 77. Well, first off, holds up pretty well for 77, because sometimes those 70s, 80s movies are kind of eh. But upon rewatch, it's still good. I still enjoy it quite a bit. But could, I couldn't imagine walking into that movie in 1977. It's absolutely... It's bonkers. It's bananas. It's what is happening? Yeah, the the intro scene is all just like, who's that person? Why do we care about this group of people? All of a sudden, and then all of a sudden we go to this sand planet and it's just droids beeping and the little Oompa Loompa sand people going around it. We're completely on the same page, though. When you saw this movie in 77, given what was going on in the times of 77, too, you might not have been walking into the theater completely sound of mind. And then you walk in and see this crazy, crazy stuff on the screen. And that's what makes Star Wars so great is that it's so unique and even among like weird space operas like Flash Gordon, there's everything in this movie is memorable, pretty much. Like, there's a reason people can quote the entire film. I I will say, and I feel like I'm gonna get uh, somebody's gonna fight me on this. But so in the beginning, we <laughs> we're, we open to random spaceships shooting at each other. A guy in a black cape threatens a woman, and then droids run away with some sensitive information. And we spend like 15 minutes on droids. Or robots, honestly. If you're in the 70s, you're probably looking at them like, what are these robots doing? Why do I care? How crazy of a movie like this to open with that in the 70s. But if you stick, if you stuck with it, it all circles back around. It makes a lot of sense. It all adds up. There's good arcs in it. There's room for a sequel, which obviously there was. It honestly, it reminds me a lot of the very first Harry Potter movie where it's less about the story because the story's, it's good, but it's pretty cookie cutter. Like, Go rescue the princess, meet all these crazy characters along the way. It's, it's, it's all, yeah, it's all about exploring the world. So Harry Potter pulled this off, but Star Wars pulled this off long, long before because it just showed off all these crazy things. Uh, and every, I think what was really cool is just watching all these characters who did know 
all the aliens and the language and how spaceships work and kind of getting dragged along with Luke as annoying as he is in this movie. Uh, <laughs> kind of just going off like, whoa, this is a really cool, cool world that I've only seen a tiny little piece of and I want to explore more of it. Yeah, and I do like that the movie doesn't feel the need to explain the little minute things that it's doing. Like you want, you have to obviously explain what the force is, and Ben does that with his big exposition scene. But everything else, you can just pick up on the run. Like pretty much, like like they never actually say that Darth Vader is fo- force choking this person. You just get it because you see him choking. He 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 does it, and you go whoa, right? So you're like hey, that actually adds to the experience, like. Especially if you were a kid at that point, like what is this? Or even, even, even before that, when Obi Wan just very, 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 very subtly just moves his, fi- his moves his hand. These are not the droids you're looking for. What was that? What did he do? Uh, what? Uh, I don't. What happened there? <laughs> they explained it later on, but at first you're like, I don't. Where did that come from? What was that? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that throughout this movie, and it's just such a great mythology that they've built throughout these. Decades and decades of fandom. Yeah, it we can we can rap on George Lucas for the prequels, but that's pretty incredible that all of this just came from his mind. Yeah. What if we found out he stole this from someone? <laughs> that would be really upsetting, and I hope that guy gets billions of dollars. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. I just that's a, I just, that just came to my head. Yeah. All right. Let, let's talk characters. That's the funnest part of this whole movie. Like, uh, we'll start with Luke. He's our he's our main guy. He's whiny. He's really, really whiny. And it bothers me every time I turn this on a little bit more, I think. Like father, like son. You know what they say. Mm. That's you. Know, actually, Hayden Christensen might be a genius for channeling that at that angle. He only watched A New Hope and nothing after that. <laughs> um, I, I That power converters line is pretty rough <laughs> in the beginning. That's pretty yeah. rough. Like, come on, guys. Even in the 70s, you got to know you can be better. I'm not convinced Hamill's very good until, no, that's not true. That's impossible. And then I think that's a big pivot point for him, in my opinion. Yeah, he's definitely grown into the role in later movies, which we'll obviously touch on in other podcasts. But um, let's talk Han Solo, though. I was going to say, inversely. Yeah, one of the coolest introductions to a character you ever got, and you know exactly what he's all about within the first scene. Whether George wants you to remember or not, pretty much. Uh, yeah, also, he shot first. It's I fine. <laughs> this doesn't have to be controversy. He shot first. It's fine. This new version is ridiculous. The one that they have on Disney Plus is, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you guys have seen <laughs> it on the internet at this point, not only does he not shoot first, but like Greedo says like an aggressive word to him, like clunky for no reason. Like no reason other to than to, I guess, provoke him or let him know that he's going to be shooting like he gives Han advanced warning. It's 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 the dumbest controversy that ever existed ever. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I know D- Disney Disney want Disney doesn't want one of their best characters to be uh, murdering people first. But Disney, it's fine. He's a space pirate. He's on the run. He's not exactly a good guy before this anyway. And that's part of his arc is becoming a better guy over the course of these three movies. (laughs) Whatever. Right. He, like, spoiler, he comes back and saves Luke in the end. He's a good guy. He gets the Medal of Honor. Also, when they're walking down the aisle together at the end, God, he's so much taller than Luke. Well, Harrison Ford is a man and Mark Hamill is a boy. Yeah, it's really what it looks like. (laughs) It's very clear. It's interesting because... It's the exact inverse of Hamill 
taking on Luke Skywalker. Because the moment you see Han Solo, that character is fully formed. Harrison Ford is so good. And this was pre-Indiana Jones. They just knew they had something here. Like, Lucas, Lucas struck gold. Just the way he delivers his dialogue, his swagger, his confidence. He's charismatic as all heck. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no one like Harrison Ford. He's a one-in-a-kind actor that we'll never see again in the history of acting. And that radiates from Han Solo. Carrie Fisher is very similar. Like, Carrie's not as good. But- I, I was very impressed uh, with her and her – the way she's written, honestly, because um, for the 70s, this is – she's a strong female character. Like, yes, she's saved, but she takes the initiative immediately and is not is not like, you know, at the mercy of these two men. Like, she's telling them what to do. She's barking the order. She's figuring stuff out. Like, she's sassing them and Darth Vader, who's about to blow up her planet. Like – well-written character. Um, I will say what, one of the scenes where Luke, I thought, was – and this is probably better writing than it is acting. But I did like how he convinces Han to help out when they're – like to help save Leia. He's like, princess, rich, a lot of money. And there's something for me that was convincing in his nature and that got Han along that I kind of liked as far as Luke goes despite his whininess. Yeah, all well and good there. Uh, we, we completely skipped over Chewbacca though. I think that was such a perfect foil to Han because it gave Han someone to be confident in front of and also, like, have that, like, fun banter, even though you didn't understand anything that Chewbacca was saying. I think it was, like, the perfect yin-yang. It's pretty funny how they talk up Chewbacca, too. It's very much like when uh, C-3PO beats him at that game. And Han, yeah, yeah, that's a lucky win. Yeah, uh-huh. like... He's basically like Wookiees are sore losers. They'll rip off your arms and stuff like that. It's like, no, Chewie would never do that based on what you see from Chewie. He's just the biggest softy in the world. Yeah. Like, again, all of these characters iconic. Uh, what do we think about C-3PO? Like, we didn't get to talk about him much in the prequel trilogy because he doesn't play that big of a role, but he is front and center here. Are we yay or nay on him? I mean, I'm not really nay on many Star Wars characters, at least not of the originals. Um, but we don't need – that's kind of what I was saying in the beginning. I don't think we need that 15 minutes of R2 and C-3PO getting captured and finding their way around. But what do we think of C-3PO himself? I think he should have been the only whiny character in this movie. You, If he, Luke was less whiny, he could stay just as whiny as he is and the world would be a good place. He's kind of just a coward more than anything. He's there for the kids, I think. And they way accelerate his annoyingness later. Like, I think he's insufferable in Return of the Jedi, if I remember correctly. Oh, because he's like a god. Yeah, Yeah, that whole storyline with the Ewoks. Like, it's just silly. Um, But again, that stuff's for the kids. And I I mean, I love R2. I'm a big R2 fan. Well, yeah, he's adorable. (laughs) He says so much while saying mm-hmm. nothing. It's it, it's great. And his and his subtitles, Andrew, his subtitles. Yeah. So when I'm watching the movie yesterday, it, it's just so great because the, the subtitles for R2 will be like beep, beep, exclamation point. all capital letters. And exclamation, <laughs> exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> beep, beep, blip. Yeah. Yeah. One <laughs> of them was sounds. blip, blip. Like awesome. Just amazing. <laughs> right. I didn't know. <laughs> Doesn't get enough attention as is. Good job, Disney Plus. <laughs> right. Needed that. Yeah, but that is that is as Nate likes to say, 
uh, well and good on Star Wars's part because they really made a robot with no words lovable, uh, relate uh, borderline relatable. They give him an arc, they give him things to do, they make him interesting. Not easy. So you've got your ragtag gang here, and then moving on to some of the bigger, powerful figures. Let's talk Obi Wan and just how Alec Guinness. Has such a great actually, it's a very weird introduction. Actually, Jake and I were talking about this last night when he scares off yeah. the sand people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it makes me it made me laugh then and it makes me laugh now. He comes in like a crazy meth head, like yelling at them with a hood on. <laughs> yeah, so like you think about all the great, like mythical character introductions of all time, and then you get this guy just going, ah. Basically, at, <laughs> at the sand people, he, does, he comes. He comes in just howling at them like some. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't just laugh at him. By the way, I'm a big sand people fan. I think their design is so funny. <laughs> like, I just love how they look so much and how they're basically just the rednecks of Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. They're just awesome. I like Jawas too. Jawas are pretty cool. It also makes me laugh that um, knowing all this info has come out obviously years and years after this movie um, originally came out. But it was known that like Mark Hamill thought this was kind of cheesy. Alec Guinness thought it was dumb and just wanted a paycheck. Like apparently a lot of them were not totally on board with this. And then when it got – it made the money and got the praise that it received, they were like, oh, really? Yeah, it paid for the Miami Beach House. Yeah. (laughs) And then some (laughs) – the whole strip of beach houses in Miami. Yeah. Right. Seriously, what are, talk about striking gold. Yeah. Nobody's ever done it's, like this before. From a character standpoint, though, it's weird seeing, like, the old um, wise man character for almost the first time. I feel like so many characters are based off of the old sage Obi-Wan type role. And a lot of characters came even before he did. But, uh, like standard old man who knows everything in his exposition bot. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of a big other example that came before him. But, like, that became a fantasy trope from here until the end of time. Like, I think, yeah, I think obviously the big uh, non-movie camp comparison, uh, but Lord of the Rings obviously came out before these movies. Uh, Gandalf, but... Like, again, that trope has just existed for a long time, but this was definitely one of the first movie versions, and it stuck for so long. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's fun. Um, how, about, how about Darth Vader, though? I was going to say, we've gone this far into the pod, and we haven't even mentioned Darth Vader. That's pretty solid, actually. Well, that's, that's, that's how impressive and revolutionary A New Hope is. Right. So obviously, he's one of the most iconic villains of all time, but does he hold up as the question? Like, is he still as intimidating today? I say... I think in parts. Yes. I would say the same thing. There are moments that... And I think it's a little weird to think about Hayden Christensen under there watching these chronologically. I just try not to. I, I literally don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a completely different character to me. But but even... And this is not a movie we're going to talk about on a podcast. But even going straight from Rogue One to A New Hope, the Rogue One Darth Vader is such a maniacal psychopathic killer. And then this Darth Vader like puts up with a lot of crap from Princess Leia. He's very patient from Princess Leia and other generals. Like he gets like, Oh, you're hokey pokey religion. Um, a lot in this movie. Although he, he does hand it to that one guy who is 
making fun of him. And that was badass. Yeah, I, I find your lack of faith disturbing. Great line, great delivery, great scene. Um, but yeah, I think part of this is just how movies have evolved. A lot of this movie plays out like a Broadway show where it's a set piece and people are moving on and off without any camera cuts. Uh, so you're seeing Darth Vader have dialogue with all these people when if you remade a new hope today it would have a lot of like close-ups of darth vader looking menacing in the shadows um and then other people looking scared around him you just don't see that just because that's how movies were filmed yeah. back then compared to now i feel like the same lines the same scenes same actors done today he would hold up a lot better than he does and that's probably why rogue one pulled it off so well because it was mm. done – when did that come out? 17? 16? 16. Yeah. Yeah. And he is full-form badass at the end of Rogue One. Fun fact about that Rogue One scene. I was watching a video on that today. That was not in the original movie. They came together, Gareth Edwards and Kathleen Kennedy and all the people behind it, and were like, we need one more big moment with Darth Vader. And they're like, oh, this is it. Yeah, hold on. I got yeah. it. It's the best part of the movie by far. <laughs> it's the only part I've ever rewatched. <laughs> That's probably the most standout moment for me too from that movie. Yeah, and that's a good example of how this movie, A New Hope, is just so effortlessly entertaining throughout the entire thing. Like Rogue One is a an example of a movie that's really good in its last half hour and it transitions really well into this film. But it, And it has those amazing scenes at the end, but at the same time, it can't sustain it like any of the movies in the original trilogy really could. And that is a testament to the way that Lucas built these characters and the way this world is built. Like there are just so many, like I said, so many little iconic scenes. We could just all day name them. My favorite scene that I love to quote is the uh, most icely cantina where it's, he doesn't like you. I don't like you either. We're wanted men. I have the death sentence in 12 parsecs. Weird uh, flex, but okay. Yeah. I don't want any trouble. You'll be dead. I think I got some of the dialogue out of order. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah I, oh. we, you know, we got it though. Love that scene. Doesn't make sense that they're in Rogue One, by the way, at all. But whatever. Who cares? Um, <laughs> and then all the all the special effects are really cool. Obviously, the lightsaber is iconic, but it is kind of funny how little lightsabers matter in this movie. It became a big thing after the fact. Even like probably prequel time is when lightsabers became important to Star Wars, uh, because then they could make toys and whatnot. <laughs> but um, right, exactly, yeah. Um, but I think the, the Millennium Falcon ship, the Death Star, all the spacecrafts and space, uh, materials and whatnot that you see throughout this movie, that's what made Star Wars, Star Wars for this trilogy. And that's definitely my favorite part. The Death Star is such an awesome design. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, the battle for it. Um, or to destroy it at the end was actually – it's still pretty solid looking back, especially for 70s. Oh, yeah. I could see why people went went back to see that yeah. 100 plus times. I think a lot of the action holds up. I like the action scene where they're escaping from the Death Star and Han and Luke are the guns. I like the trash compactor scene a lot. I think that had a lot more tension than I remember it having. Mm, sure. Cause it's, yeah, and I, I, I remember thinking um, or feeling a little claustrophobic like – uh, they're cutting it a little close here. And even Han puts the beam up and that doesn't work. Like they're shown trying and trying other things over and over again. And they're 
coming up short and same when I was rewatching it, I'm like, Ooh, this is uncomfortable. I don't, this sucks. <laughs> now I was fully preparing myself for the Obi-Wan Vader fight to not hold up, but I actually thought it was okay. Oh, no, I disagree. I, again, I think we're spoiled by today's action and special effects and choreography stuff, but it is literally just two guys poking sticks at each other. I don't find it very compelling. Their looks and, and dialogue in between, like, that's well done because um, I actually feel like you you can feel the tension between them as actors. But yes, the, the lightsaber, I was hit or miss with. There are some where it feels real, like there's a, you know, a decent choreography there. But then there's a couple where Obi-Wan's trying to deflect him and it's literally just his wrist doing little circles. And I'm like, okay, there's... That could be better. <laughs> Alex Guinness not trying to break his hip for this silly stuff, man. <laughs> uh, but I do, I do like how mysterious Obi Wan's disappearance is uh, when he when he gets struck down. They they don't really talk about that at all. And <laughs> you're laughing. I, I, I'm just funny. Looking. I remember Vader gives it a look like what just happened. Like he yeah. looks down. Like he has no. It's like and, uh, that. And literally, with with the foot, you know exactly yeah, how confused yeah. he is under that mask, even though you can't see his face. You know he thought about that all night too. <laughs> Vader, it's like the John, it's the John Travolta meme from Pulp Fiction. He's just looking around, like, what happened? Where did he go? What? Uh, but like, we only get little tastes of what the Force is, and uh, I. The Force definitely is integral integral to the series from the get-go. Um, but to see, like, some physical manifestations of it in such a cool way, in such a unique way, too. Like, you would never think of that as a superpower, because that's essentially what this movie's magic is. Um, but disappearing after being struck down, like, what's happening? What's going to happen from here on out? That's a great way to introduce a cosmic force like the force. I also like that. I always like that uh, that Vader got his hands dirty too. Like he actually came out and fought Obi Wan. He was a part of that that final battle. Like actually trying to kill them. He was there when they're blowing up Leia's planet. He he comes in to fight the rebels with the stormtroopers in the beginning. Um, like I feel like a lot of movies will hide their big boss. I guess they do too with Palpatine, but or the Emperor. But Vader's this menacing character, and he he's there and he's getting his hands dirty and he's involved and he's menacing the whole time which i thought is very cool for them to do it's a good thing they got him off that death star like that wouldn't have been good luck <laughs> although his his ship spiraling off um <laughs> is kind of funny like it's almost like team rocket blasting <laughs> off again <laughs> oh <laughs> man because he's just going spinning you guys have seen the robot chicken skit right where he called the emperor gets the call from darth vader he goes well where are you what the hell is an aluminum falcon? Oh, it's so good. That's such a great, <laughs> great robot chicken sketch. Uh, and it, it kind of goes back to, as we're going to have to start wrapping up here. I mean, we could talk about the original Star Wars for all day. It goes back to how quotable and memorable this movie is, where you can go beat by beat and remember everything that got us to this point. And that's what that's what special cinema is like. There's not a movie like Star Wars out there. People have tried to imitate, but it never works. Well, this movie's also been parodied to death. <laughs> um, and some of my favorites. Spaceballs is one of my favorite movies of all time, comedy-wise. <laughs> Comb the desert. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it's cool to see like the, the, the spring, the well, if you can, of all things Star Wars. 
as a movie, it's... I don't think as a movie it's 100% perfect. It's close. Um, and it's obviously iconic for a reason. Um, but I think it's as a series where Star Wars is perfect in that regard because it has this whole universe exploding from this one tightly written fun exploration of a movie and it also of that one that one one of the most famous lines ever in star wars that i really like adds that sense of mystery and wonder a long time ago in a galaxy far far away sets such a good stage for the entire universe like nate was saying we mean a long time ago this is the 70s (laughs) <laughs> this happened a long time ago? When when and where? Our like, tank went real backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jake touched it. <laughs> yeah, for real. He touched um, everything. <laughs> I remember even as a little, little kid, first being introduced to Star Wars, I loved that line because it's so mysterious and full of wonder. Like, like a long time ago, there are galaxies this advanced a long time ago. Like how cool would – just that idea is so cool. All right, I always folks. love that. This is a tough one. Where do you rate the original Star Wars on the seat scale? Nate? I kind of alluded to my opinion just a few moments ago. I'm going to give this one a plush recliner. It's very close, but again, as a standalone movie, there's some things I don't like. Some of the things just don't hold up compared to the movies that we have today. I think if you remade this with a time machine uh, just with like our sense of pacing and editing and uh, script writing, you could have had a true masterpiece. That said, this is such a fun uh, universe to explore and there's no better place to be introduced to all this than to watch the original Star Wars and just kind of get sucked back into that little childlike wonderment of what's that? What's this? Let's go light speed. I want to see this universe. Let's explore the galaxy. And that is Star Wars. That is a new hope. Um, and that's an iconic series. Birthplace right here. Well said. Uh, yeah, I kind of have trouble rating this movie too. Like, obviously, influentially, it it's almost unprecedented. There are very few movies that have had an influence on cinema like this has. It's probably um, the most influential movie of all time. I can't think of anything else besides maybe the first movie that had like sound. Yeah. So like God, Godfather is probably up there too. Not more than, not more than Star Wars, but definitely you up there. You don't think so? No. Oh yeah. All um, the, all the effects, all the, the world building. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think maybe the only movie besides obviously like the jazz singer, which was of course the first talkie ever, but I think the only other movie I can think of giving credit to and saying it was as influential, for whatever reason, Jaws pops to mind for me because it was just the first blockbuster. Also 70s. What a decade. <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is really – I kind of agree with Nate. As a sole standalone movie, I'm probably really high plush recliner because there are things that are a little silly, a little wacky, aren't perfect. Um. So in that sense, I'm probably really high plush recliner because this is still very entertaining, even for the 70s. It holds up and it's it's fun and it's well done. But uh, influentially, Royal Throne, but standalone movie, just sit down, watch it. Is it one of my favorites and stuff like that? High on plush recliner. I commend you guys for being even able to divorce your thoughts versus 
searching your feelings and seeing the influence that it's had. I like I can't I couldn't picture ever giving this anything other than a royal throne. It's Star Wars, you know? Like I understand what y'all are saying and there's definitely is elements of it that are definitely dated. But every single thing in this movie is iconic to some degree. Like what else can you say that about? That's kind of why I'm I really kind of half-assed my answer because in one hand in one hand, <laughs> like, how dare you not say it's it's brilliant? Every other movie has parodied this. But at the same time, when I watch this, have I never seen any other Star Wars movie and it's not influential? I sit down and watch this. It's not perfect. No, it's it's definitely not. It, it definitely isn't. But it's a class. It's a stone cold classic. It is like and it's hard not to think of it that way in my head. So, yeah, definitely Royal Throne. It's, you know what? Disney, if you release a version where Han Solo finally shoots first, as is intended, <laughs> I'll give you five stars. <laughs> and get rid of that giant walking green dinosaur Lucas do in there. I don't yeah, want that. That just walks in front of the frame for no reason. Yeah, literally right. takes up in the entire screen for a good second and a half. <laughs> Cut that out. Jesus. The, the job of the hut scene is really stupid, too. Like, really unnecessary. It looks really bad. Was that edited in? I mean, they shot it without Jabba back in the 70s. And then they added Jabba. Yeah, like that's like a CGI effect. How did they shoot that without Jabba? They were going to have the scene in the movie and add him later with some kind of visual trickery. Or that – it was either that or they added Jabba or had like a puppet version of Jabba on set. And then he decided in the 90s he wanted to make a CGI version. Either way, no matter what, it looks bad. Um, yeah, he doesn't He doesn't look good moving at all. <laughs> For me, this is probably my second favorite Star Wars movie. What's my favorite? It's coming up. So be sure to keep with 30 Days of Star Wars here. If you haven't listened to our prequel podcast, please check those out. They're not as good movies, but they're just as good podcasts, I think. And of course, listen to our main show, The Middle Seats Podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. For Jake Hensler and Nayla Garini, I'm Andrew Ogier. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.